This sermon is titled Our Great High Priest Part 9. Be enriched as you listen. The last several Sundays we've been talking about following Jesus in prayer. And so we've been making this journey looking at the life, the ministry and the teaching of our Lord Jesus on the subject of prayer and we've been trying to glean some lessons that we could apply to our own prayer lives, things that we can practice. And so we've made, uh, 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 I would say, quite a thorough study on the prayer life of Jesus. So this is part nine. There was actually one more message that I want to do, uh, uh, include, uh, but then that will make the seven series so long. It will only be nine messages. So we leave that in, in, in the book that will compile out of this seven series. So we'll bring this to a conclusion with this message, part nine. So we've been looking at the earthly life of Jesus all along and how he prayed, what did he teach on prayer, how did he minister. Today we're going to do something different. We know that the Lord Jesus died, he was buried, he rose up again, he ascended to heaven, he was glorified, he's seated at the Father's right hand in this place of great glory. And we would assume, okay, work is done, cross is over, I can now sit back, relax, enjoy the rest of the journey. But what is so interesting is at the Father's right hand, the Lord Jesus is doing something. And one of the things he's doing is that he is praying. The Bible tells us he is interceding. He is praying. Now that's something to think about, that the Lord is actually praying now at the Father's right hand. He didn't say, ah, my prayer life, that's enough. I've done enough of that on earth. He's at the Father's right hand, and he is still interceding. He's praying. And so it bears for us the significance, the importance of prayer. The fact that he is still praying, interceding. He hasn't stopped praying. And that's how important prayer intercession is. And so what we're going to do today is look into the scriptures that are pointing to the prayer life of Jesus in his present day ministry at the Father's right hand. As our great high priest, what is he doing? What is he praying for? What are the things he's praying for? And how does that matter to us? How do we come under that? Now, what I want us to keep in mind as we look at, we're going to look at five things the New Testament presents to us on what, prayer, what Jesus is praying about at the Father's right hand. So as we look at these things, I want you to keep two things in mind. That his prayer life, his praying at the Father's right hand, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, actually empowers our prayer lives here on earth today. So everything he is doing in prayer, in intercession, is actually empowering you and me in our prayer lives. How do you think about that as we examine each of these five things? The second thing I also want us to bear in mind is, not only is, the, uh, is there an empowering that comes to us because Jesus is praying, but for all of us, I remember that ministry on earth is really an extension of Christ's ministry. Whatever we are doing is really an extension of what He is doing. Christ is the head. We are part of the church, His body. So the body does what the head commands, what, what the head desires. So we are actually carrying out, we are an extension of his ministry. You can look at it from another perspective. Christ is the chief apostle. So apostolic ministry on earth is simply an extension of that. Christ is a chief shepherd. So those who are shepherds or pastors is just an extension of that. We, we, we shepherd, we are extending what he is actually doing. And so also in prayer, that when we intercede, when we pray, 
we're actually extending Christ's present-day prayer ministry in heaven. We're extending that here on earth. So keep these two words in mind. Empowering, that means his present-day ministry of prayer empowers you and me in our prayer lives. And second, when we pray, we are just extending what he's doing here on earth. We are praying with him. We are co-workers with him. Amen? So, let's look at this. What is Jesus praying for at the Father's right hand? First of all, He declares us free from condemnation. He declares us free from condemnation. We pick this up in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. The Apostle Paul, writing, suddenly gives us this insight into Christ being an intercessor. In Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34, Paul writes, he says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So notice what Paul is saying at the end of that verse, 34. He's saying, Christ is at the right hand of the Father and He's making intercession for us. He's praying, He's interceding, He's appealing, He's speaking up on our behalf. But what is the context? Romans 8 verse 1, Romans chapter 8 begins like this in verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he begins like that. So there is no condemnation, no accusation, no charge against you if you are in Christ Jesus. And he speaks of, of several other things. And he comes to verse 33, which we just read. He says, who will lay a charge against God's elect? That means, who can bring an accusation against you? Who can bring a charge against you? It is God Himself who has justified us. Who can condemn us? He says, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And He is interceding for us. So the context of this intercession is that there is no condemnation against us. And if even if anybody brings a charge or an accusation against us, we don't have to worry because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father declaring us not guilty. Amen? And there is one, I don't know what they call person, but there's one being who is spending all his time accusing you and me. And that's the devil. His name means accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. What does he do? He accuses us, the Bible says, day and night before our Father. That means he's condemning us, telling us we are unfit in the Father's eyes. So he always brings those thoughts of accusation in your mind and mine. Trying to tell us you're unfit for nothing. God doesn't love you. God's mad about you. You know, God's upset with you. God, you know, God just changed his mind. He's accusing us day and night. Constantly bringing thoughts of accusation. Bringing thoughts of condemnation to our minds. But whenever you face those thoughts, just remember, the Lord Jesus is at the Father's right hand. Declaring you, no condemnation, no guilt, nothing. Amen? So that's why Paul writes, who can bring a charge against us? Who can condemn us? We have Jesus sitting at the Father's right hand. He's interceding for us. He's declaring, no, not guilty. Amen? Now, how does this matter in prayer? Because... For most of us, the moment you want to start praying, the devil is very, very prompt and bringing a thought saying, Hey, remember, just yesterday you got angry, you lost your temper, you behaved so badly, you think God's going to hear your prayer? Thoughts of accusation, thoughts of condemnation. And now if we give in to those thoughts, our lives are crippled. We don't pray. Ah, maybe I'll come back tomorrow. If I live good today, tomorrow I'll come back and try praying. And that never comes. So, 
It's the enemy's strategy to keep us from praying. But when you know that there is the great high priest sitting at the Father's right hand, he is interceding on your behalf. He is declaring you not guilty. The moment these thoughts of condemnation come, you say, no, Lord, I thank you. You have, you have declared me not guilty. There is no condemnation against me because I am in Christ Jesus. And Jesus, my great high priest, is sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding. He is declaring. He is speaking up on my behalf. Amen? So we can go to God fully. And don't let condemnation, accusation, cripple your and mine prayer life. The writer of the book of Hebrews, so we're moving to the book of Hebrews now, spends a lot of time Pointing to Jesus as our great high priest. He contrasts the, the priests of the Old Testament to Jesus, our great high priest, who is in the heavens and, and what he is doing for us right now. And so we're going to trace that through the book of Hebrews and see what Jesus is doing for us at the right hand of the Father. In Hebrews 2, the writer of Hebrews tells us that he assists us. He assists us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, let's read it out please. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So Jesus is our merciful and faithful high priest. Merciful. Faithful. Merciful. He's looking at you and me with mercy. Faithful. He's always on the job. He doesn't abscond. Not M-I-A. He's there. He's our merciful high priest. He's our faithful high priest. And he says, you know, this great high priest who is in the presence of the Father on our behalf, he actually understands us because at one point he walked on the earth and he faced the same temptations you and I face. So he really understands us. So it's very merciful to us in our struggles. He understands that. And what does he do? He aids us in our, when we are tempted. As our merciful high priest, he aids us. He comes to our help. He aids us when we are tempted. Now, that word temptation is a very interesting word in the Greek. In English, when we say temptation, by default, what we think of is an inducement to sin, to do something wrong, to do evil. Temptation. But the word in the Greek actually has a twofold meaning. So every time you read in the New Testament, temptation. Of course, sometimes just based on the context, you will say it means an inducement to sin. But the Greek word actually means two things. It means tribulation. That means any hardship, any difficulty. Or we would use the word trials or being tested. And it also means temptation, an inducement to do evil, to sin. So when you read the word temptation in, in, the, English, in the New Testament... Understand that the Greek word has both of these ideas, or both of these meanings in that word. It includes tribulation. It includes temptation. So when Hebrews 2.17 says, He aids us when we are tempted. Don't restrict that understanding only when you to temptation as an inducement to sin. 
in that idea is even if you're going through tribulation, even if you're going through difficulty, you're going through some challenge, you're going through some struggle, you're going through some hardship, Jesus, your great high priest, is a merciful high priest. He's a faithful high priest to come to your help in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your tribulation. Say, Lord, I'm going through a challenge. Maybe it's a challenge in the workplace. Maybe it's a challenge, you know, maybe in a family relationship. Maybe it's a financial challenge. Maybe it's something else. It's a difficulty. It's a tribulation. It's a struggle. He is there to aid you. Right? Sometimes, if it's a temptation, an inducement to sin, it's drawing you in. He's still there to aid you, to help you. How does he aid? help us. One, He can help us. He helps us by strengthening us in that temptation. Gives you strength to go through it, to overcome it, not to be destroyed, not to quit in the middle, but to come through victorious. So whatever your tribulation is, whatever your challenge is, He aids you. He gives you the strength to come through it. Or He gives you the strength. To overcome that temptation. How does he aid us? He aids us by giving us wisdom. So sometimes what you and I need is the wisdom to solve that. To solve that problem. To come out of that problem. He gives us the wisdom, the understanding that we need. How to get out of that temptation. What can I do? Not to fall into this. So it gives you instruction. It gives you wisdom. Hey, here's how you can get out of this thing. Overcome it. How does he aid us? He aids us by keeping us, protecting us. Part of the prayer we're supposed to pray is, lead us not into. Don't let, even, let me even get into that. He aids you. Hey, don't even go down that path. That's the path that takes you down into trouble, into some tribulation, or into some temptation. Just don't go down there. He aids you. Amen? So what is he doing as the high priest? He's there to come to your aid, your assistance. All we've got to do is, oh, Lord, I need help. That's it. Dial 911. Lord, I need help. I need help. A simple prayer. He's there to come to your aid your assistance. Are you listening? So in our prayer lives, sometimes our prayer life is simply this, Lord, I need help. I need help. Maybe I'm faced with temptation. Maybe I'm faced with a tribulation. But Lord, I need help. And you've got a great high priest seated in the heavens. He knows how you feel. He's merciful. He understands it, even though you may feel embarrassed. Oh God, I've been a Christian for 25 years, and here I am. I'm faced with the same temptation, and I still need help. Relax. You've got a merciful high priest. He's merciful to you. He's had a call out. Say, Lord, I need help to overcome this. I know it's been 25 years, but I still need help today to overcome this temptation. I still need help, Lord, to overcome this tribulation. I know I may face it. I may face this challenge five times, ten times, but I still need help. I need help. He's merciful. He's faithful. To come to your cry for help. Amen? So, we are empowered in our prayer lives. That we can go to God, you know, to the, go to the, the Lord, knowing He's there to help us. The third thing we see, as our great high priest interceding for us, the book of Hebrews points to the fact that He is the high priest of our confession. He is the high priest of our Confession. This is brought out both in chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews. So we'll read both of these verses. Hebrews 3 verse 1. Let's read it out loud together, please. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, 
Christ Jesus. It's repeated again in Hebrews 4. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Let's read it out loud, please. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, without, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Very interesting. He is the high priest of our confession. Now the word confession in the Greek is a very simple word. It's, it just means to speak in agreement with, to say the same thing, to say the same thing, to speak in agreement with. If one, one person has said something and you say the same thing, you're making a confession. Now, in English, in our understanding, we use the word confession predominantly in connection with sin, confess sin. But in the New Testament, the word confession has a much broader usage. It's not just, it is used in the context of sin. That means you say the same thing. You agree to the fact that you've sinned. So that's why it's called confession of sin. You're saying the same thing. Yes, I have done wrong. Confess, done. But in the New Testament, the word confession has a much broader usage. It's not exclusively in the context of sin. The word confession in the New Testament simply means to say the same thing. And depending on the context, here he says, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. As the high priest of our confession, we confess. We speak in agreement with who Jesus is, with what he has spoken, with what he has done. So Christianity is called the great confession because we speak and we declare who Jesus is what he has said what he has done are you with me so it doesn't always have to do with sin it's an acknowledgement it's a speaking up of who Jesus is what he has said and what he has done that's our great confession and Hebrews 3 and 4 says that he is the high priest of our confession. Of our confession. How, does it, what, how do you apply this in your life? Because we are supposed to speak in agreement with God. In agreement with the word of God. That's supposed to be how, the way we speak. You and I are supposed to say, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The Lord, He is the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord, He is my light and my salvation. Of whom then I sh shall I be afraid? He has said, He will never leave me nor forsake me. The Lord blesses me in all the work of my hand. The Lord makes me like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And I bring forth my fruit in its season. My leaf will not wither. And whatever I do will prosper. Are you listening? That's how we are supposed to speak. We are supposed to be making our confession. Our agreement with who God is. With what He has spoken. What He has said about us. What He has done for us. By His stripes I have been healed. Every cell in my body has been healed by the stripes of Jesus. The Holy Spirit in me, He gives life to every cell in my body. That's our confession. That's how we speak. And Hebrews says, He is the high priest of our confession. Of our confession. That means... When you and I are speaking about God and His Word and what He has done in our lives, as we speak in agreement with Him, Jesus is there as your high priest 
in the very heavens saying, that's it. He's representing your confession in the presence of the Father. I understand it. And so in, in, in view of this, he says in Hebrews 4.14, let us hold fast to our confession. Don't quit on your confession. Don't give up on your confession. Hold on to it firm. Hold on to it tightly. Don't change because God's word doesn't change. And if his word doesn't change, you don't change what you're saying. You always speak in agreement to that word. And you've got a great high priest in heaven who is the high priest of your confession. So hold fast to your confession. Hold fast. To you speaking in agreement with God and His Word. Hold fast. Don't change. And then you come boldly to the throne of grace. When you come before the Father, say, Father, I'm holding on to your Word. I'm going to keep speaking aligned to your Word. Situations may be hard. Situations may be contrary to what you have spoken in your Word at this moment but I'm holding on to your word and you're going to God I know you are faithful you will give me mercy and grace to help me in my time of need I'm holding on to my confession amen so how does this help us in our prayer just know that he is the high priest of your confession don't give up on your confession you keep saying what God has said about you his word doesn't change just keep speaking His word. Go before the throne of grace. God, this is what you've said. I'm here. I'm holding on to this confession. Jesus is the high priest of my confession. And He gives me mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. Number four. Jesus is a high priest. How does that, what does He do for us? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 teaches us that He is the guarantee of the new covenant. Hebrews 7, verse 22. Let's read it out together, please. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. One of the things we see in the book of Hebrews is the writer of Hebrews contrasts the old covenant and the new covenant. He's drawing a distinction between the two. And he tells us the new covenant is a better covenant. It has better promises. So you and I are privileged to be in a, in a relationship with God. A covenant relationship with God that is based on better promises. A better covenant. Now, speaking in earthly terms, when we make a promise, or in some cases, you know, something that's very contractual, he would write up a contract or an agreement or so on and so forth. You like to know what's the guarantee for this? You know, okay, you sign, but what's the guarantee? What, what's backing this up? It could be a 500, piece, 500 rupee paper, <laughs> or it could be something else. Sometimes, you know, you pledge a home, you pledge money. Uh, as a guarantee for that covenant or agreement or contracts. What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is this. That the Lord Jesus is the guarantee of the new covenant. That means every promise in the new covenant is guaranteed by the Lord Jesus himself. Think about that. How much confidence you and I should have when we take a promise and say, God, I'm standing on this promise. The Lord Jesus himself is the guarantee of the new covenant. You are in a new covenant with God. Every promise in his word is for you. And Jesus sits as the guarantee of that promise. He is the great high priest. He says, I'm guaranteeing this. This promise cannot fail in your life. Again, you and I have such confidence in God 
in his word. This promise is guaranteed by Jesus. It cannot fail. So every promise in the book, whatever promise you're standing on for your life, for your home, for your family, for your children, for your finances, for your health, whatever, it's in the, in the covenant, it's guaranteed by Jesus himself. He's standing guaranteed for it. So you can have absolute confidence in the promises of God. That's why the, Paul rightly says, for all the promises of God are yes and amen. They're yes and amen for the glory of God by us. All the promises, they're guaranteed by Jesus. He sits as the surety of this new covenant. So when you go in prayer, Lord, I'm coming to you based on your covenant. This promise is in the covenant. It's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, it's in the covenant. God, I'm coming to you on this promise. It's in the Bible. I'm coming to you based on your word. And I thank you that Jesus Christ is the guarantee for this promise. And I know this promise will not fail. It might take a little bit of time for it to be fulfilled in my life. I may have to go through some battles. I may have to see some mountains move out of the way. I may have to walk through some dark seasons. But God, this promise is guaranteed by the one who is sitting at the Father's right hand, my great high priest. And I'm not going to give up on this promise. Amen. So our prayer life is empowered. Just knowing that when we are praying based on the covenant, Jesus, our great high priest, is sitting there as a guarantee for that promise. It will not fail. So you and I don't have to quit. We can have full confidence in that promise. The last one, number five. As our great high priest, what does he do? Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. He saves to the uttermost. He saves to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. Let's read it, please. Together. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son who has been perfected forever. So it sounds very complicated, but it's actually very simple. The writer of Hebrews is contrasting the Old Testament priests and Jesus, our great high priest. So he's saying, you know, the Old Testament priests, they were temporal. Those died, the next priest took over. Another priest died, another priest took over. But our great high priest, our great high priest, he lives forever. He lives forever. Those Old Testament priests, they had to make atonement for their own sins. They had their own sins. And then they could do something for the people. But our great high priest, he made a sacrifice once for all. For us, no sin of his own. And he did it for us. Wonderful high priest. The Old Testament priests were weak. They had their own weaknesses. Our great high priest is a perfect high priest. Undefiled. No blemish. Nothing. He's a perfect person. Perfect high priest. So he's saying, hey, we've got such a great high priest. What's he doing? 
He's making intercession for us. And because of that, he says, I want you to know something. This great high priest, our great high priest, he is able to save us to the uttermost. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Now, what does that mean? The word save, or when we use the word save in English, I'm talking about church context. We usually think about salvation. Are you saved? Meaning, have you received Jesus? Are you going to go to heaven after you die? That's generally how we use it. Are you saved? But the Greek word that's used commonly in the New Testament, the Greek word sozo, which is translated save, the noun form soteria, again translated salvation, is actually a comprehensive word. It's a big word. It includes a lot of things. For instance, the word save is used in the context of forgiveness of sins. So that's included in the word save. It's also used in the word in the context of salvation, eternal salvation. So that's included in the word save in the Greek. It is also used in the context of being healed from your sicknesses. So when sometimes it will say, and that person was healed. That actually, the word healed, actually it's sozo, the same word. Just translated healed. So physical healing is in that word sozo. The word sozo also means to be protected from danger. Paul wrote, and the Lord saved me from the Mount of Lions. Saved, sozo. Literally meaning protected. Protection is included in that word. Safety, preservation from danger is included in that word. The word saved also includes being given victory over your enemies. It's included in that word. Are you understand? So when you read in the Bible, New Testament especially, when you read saved, don't think of it just like how we think in English, salvation, going to heaven. It's much broader than that. So Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save us. To the uttermost. It includes all these things. Yes, it includes salvation, getting to heaven, but also includes protect, being protected from danger, being brought out of trouble, being healed in your body, being rescued from whatever calamity you might be in. He's able to save us to the uttermost because He is interceding for you and me. And he's a perfect high priest. Amen? So what do you and I need to be saved from? Sometimes we may find ourselves in deep trouble. Maybe it's financial trouble. He's able to save you from the uttermost. Maybe it's some other terrible situation that you find yourself in doesn't matter what that situation is he is able to save you to the uttermost you might even think hey i don't think i know of anyone else who is in deeper trouble than me or who's in, a, who's in greater difficulty than me this is the worst a person can get into there's a high priest in heaven who's interceding for you. He's a great high priest. He's a perfect high priest. And he is able to save you to the uttermost. Amen? Whatever your situation is. Salvation. He's able to save you to the uttermost. So, think about these five things in the context of prayer. When you and I pray, we are empowered by our great high priest. Worship team, please come. He empowers us in our prayer. Our prayer lives are empowered because he is praying. One, when you go before God, no accusation is going to stop you. Because he's there at the right hand of God saying, I have already acquitted that person. I've already declared them 
justified. He's sitting there at the Father's right hand. Second, you need aid, you need assistance. When you're in tribulation or temptation, He is there to aid you. All you and I have to say, Lord Jesus, I need some help. Help me, God. He empowers us in our prayer, in our praying. As you go to pray, say, Lord, I'm going to hold on to my confession of your word. You are the high priest of my confession. I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to keep saying what you have said about me. You're there as my high priest to make this word good. Both. As you go to God in prayer. You're standing there on, in the new covenant. And say God these promises are in the covenant. And Jesus is the guarantee of this covenant. His promises will not fail. And five. Doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. Know that your great high priest. He's interceding for you. And he is able to save you and me to the uttermost. There's not an encouragement to go and do something silly. No. If you find yourself in a place that's really difficult, don't give up. He's able to save you from the uttermost. Whatever it is, he can save you. Bring you out of it. Rescue you, preserve you, protect you, give you the victory. He's able to do it. Because he is there to intercede for you. You go before him. Lord, please get me out of this. And I know you can. I know you will. Now the same thing we can do when we pray for other people. So when you pray for other people, Take the same approach. Don't look at them with any sense of condemnation. The same Lord who declares you justified declares that person, another brother, another sister justified. You can go to God on behalf of them. Lord, aid them, assist them. They need some help. As you go before God on behalf of other people, you hold on to the confession of the word. You say the same thing. That God has said about them. Because God will not change his mind. Concerning them. As you go before God. On the basis of the new covenant. You can intercede. On the basis of that covenant for somebody else. Lord. He is your covenant son. He is your covenant daughter. There is no way that this promise will fail in his or her life. Because Jesus stands as a guarantee of that promise in their life. When you go before God interceding for somebody else. Say, Lord, I know they may be in a difficult situation. However, they got in there. Lord, I know you're able to save them to the uttermost. You can get them out of it. I may not understand the way. That's okay. He's not asking me to figure it out. I just believe that as a great high priest, he can save them to the uttermost. So we can intercede like this for people other people. Are you with me so far? Amen. Use it in your own life. Use it as you, as you serve other people through your prayer and intercession. And when you pray and intercede, you're just extending His ministry through you here on earth. He is the great high priest, the great intercessor, still praying, still interceding for you and me. Let's rise to our feet, please. This morning, just be encouraged and you have a great high priest in the presence of the Father representing you. What a privilege, what a privilege. Somebody in heaven is making mention of you. Somebody in heaven is pleading for you.
somebody in heaven. The great Lord Jesus Christ is there for you, for you. The very presence of the Father. What an honor. So don't give up. Don't quit on what you're doing. We all face challenges. We face adversity. We face temptation. We may face tribulations. But He is there to aid us, to assist us, to help us. And this morning, as we're going to pray right now, you can call on Him and say, Lord, I need help. I need some strength. I need some wisdom. I need direction. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I thank you. You're a merciful and you are a faithful high priest. Merciful and faithful. Let's just call on him as the worship team leads us, please. You're here with the grace of the Savior. With the heart of the Father, you're all we need. You're here with the hands of the healer, with the power of your spirit, you're all we need. At the mention of your name, Every chain will break, I know everything will change, Jesus, just a whisper of your name, will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name, and you'll hear you're the provider all i ever needed jesus you supply you're here with wonder working power everything you breathe on coming back to life At the mention of your name, every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just a whisper of your name will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name. At the mention of your name, every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just a whisper of your name will silence wind and waves at the mention of your name you are my strength you are my anchor and you never fail you are my hope you will deliver Emmanuel you are my strength you are my anchor and you never
Father, we just pray that everyone here will be strengthened, encouraged, empowered, God. Regardless of what we're facing, regardless of what challenge, what situation, we will be encouraged knowing that you are with us. You're strengthening us. And that in your name, we will win. We will conquer. We will triumph. May everyone be encouraged today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And Father, even for situations that seem so complicated, we pray that you will impart wisdom. That people will receive your wisdom. To know how to unravel the circumstance, the situation, and see a solution come through. Let wisdom be released. Ideas to solve problems, whatever they may be facing, that you impart the wisdom to show them the way, the way forward, the way through it the way to overcome it. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you're the God who provides our daily breads. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory and no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. The Lord will not withhold any good thing from you. He provides your daily bread. He will bring it in. He'll bring your provision in. He'll make sure that you will not lack, you will not suffer hunger or want. He brings it in brings it in. We thank you, Father. We praise you. Praise you. And Father, we speak your joy, your blessing into every household, into every family. Because you said in your word, Father, that the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacle, the tents of the righteous. So in the name of the Lord Jesus, in your home, let the voice of strife and confusion and division cease. And let there be the voice of rejoicing. Let there be the voice of joy. The voice of blessing. The voice of healing. The voice of celebration in your home. In your house. Because the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The light hand of the Lord gives you victory in the name of Jesus. So, Father, thank you for doing this. We thank you, O oh God. We bless you, God. We bless you. Father, according to your word, I also speak promotion 
the exaltation that comes from heaven into the lives of your people. Father, your word says that promotion does not come from the east or from the west, but it is the Lord who lifts up one and sets the other aside. So God, in the lives of your people, let there be a lifting up. Let there be an exaltation from the mighty hand of God. God, when you lift up, who can put down? When you lift up, who can say, what are you doing? No one can. And so I declare promotion. I declare exaltation. I declare the lifting up in the lives of your people. That you make room for their promotion. You make room for their lifting up. Even when it seems like it cannot happen, let it happen in their lives. We thank you, Father. We thank you. And we bless you. Thank you. Before we close, we always love to give an invitation for anyone who's never received Jesus Christ into their lives. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. All things pass away. Everything becomes new. Many times we say, you know, I want to turn a new leaf. I want to start all over again. I want to have a new beginning, a fresh start in life. And here's the way it's really going to happen. When you come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. If anyone comes to Christ, he becomes a new creation. That's the best decision, the greatest decision, and the most important decision to make, to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you're watching online, if you've never made that decision, to come to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you your sins and make you a child of God and make you a new person, if you've never done that, at this moment, I would like to lead you in a prayer so that you can ask Jesus to do that for you and make you a new person, a new creation. If you've never done that and you'd like to do it this morning with me, just pray this prayer with me. There's no compulsion. But if you feel in your heart you want to do it, you can join me in this prayer. If you've never done this before, please say this with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Please come into my life. Make me a child of God. Make me a new person. And help me to follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. And I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Is there anyone here this morning? And you pray this prayer with me. For the very first time, we want to celebrate with you. So if you don't mind, could you just raise your hand? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time in your life. Is there anyone here? You did that with me for the very first time. Could you wave your hand at me? Anybody here? You prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Anyone? Okay. I don't see any hands. I'm assuming everyone here has prayed the prayer. In case you did it and you're just feeling sad to raise your hand. You see all our ushers there with this pink bag or a colorful bag. Uh, it's a gift that we want to give to anyone who's, who's prayed this prayer, made that decision for the first time. So please, before you leave this auditorium, go to one of them and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Could I have that bag? They have a card that you can write your name and number on. And you can receive that bag. And we will call you from the church office and guide you on how to use the resources in the bag. Those of you online, you can go to our church website. Uh, go to our first time business page, apcw.org slash FTV. Send in your details there and we will reach out to you through email. We're going to close. Let's receive the benediction, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit continue with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.